Hey everybody, Larry Powell here, your host for Studio HFL. Glad you are joining us this morning with uh, Sergey Nikaryakov. Sergey, welcome. Hello, thank you for inviting me. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, but before we get to the, our conversation, I would like to give a shout out to Trent Austin and Austin Custom Brass for sponsoring this month's interviews. And I'm going to put this up here, of course. Um, this month, we started with Eric Miyashiro just this past week, and what a blast that was. Eric, uh, what a terrific person, and just uh, we're going to have to get together again because he's just, there was way too much information to do in one hour, <laughs> so we're going to get together again and do more on that. Um, of course, uh, Sergey is sitting right here with us this morning, uh, April 20th. I've got Mark Gould. Uh, that should be an interesting uh, uh, conversation that evening. And then uh, Gabriel DiMartino on April 25th. That's a Sunday evening. So that's going to be a lot of fun there. Uh, of course, again, all sponsored by uh, Austin Custom Brass and Trent Austin. You can get to austincustombrass.biz on the internet and check them out. Um, Let's see one other thing. Uh, okay, so Sergey, this is this is my my plug for my new shirts. Uh, I don't know if you've seen these yet, but uh, I haven't seen it yet. No. So the WTF, right? I mean, that's kind of a veiled, uh, well, not so veiled uh, reference to how I felt about 2020. But the Latin here, "venti labis magis," translates as "blow harder." <laughs> right. So for trumpet players. Uh, you know, that might be our solution to getting through uh, getting through last year. Uh, I've also got this other nice shirt. My wife came up with this one. It's it's a mute. It says we will not be silenced. Right. So it's a, yeah, thank you. I think she'll appreciate hearing that. So uh, let me take those off the screen there. I'm going to reverse our images. There we go. There we go. Okay, so uh, Sergey, you and I met officially for the first time at the 2019 ITG conference in Miami. Correct. And what a blast. That conference was a lot of fun in so many ways. Uh, and I think mainly because yourself, as many as well as many of the other artists, hung out in that that central atrium, that that lobby area. And it was just you couldn't pass through without having an opportunity to come say hello and sit down for a cup of coffee with you or Malcolm McNabb or uh, Andrea Tofanelli or Grant Peters, right? Everybody was there and everybody was making themselves available. Um, and yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. And I think it was a great experience. It was. And uh, thank goodness uh, we have something like that to look forward to again, right? I think we all missed those opportunities so terribly this past year. Um, I, oh, I, I wanted to say uh, you're in Hong Kong right now. Is that right? At the moment, yes. At the moment. Um, it's, it's my evening. It's I'm your... confined in a hotel. Yeah, so mm -hmm. your, your uh, management told me that uh, you had to quarantine there. Is that right? Yes. Um, on the 25th, I will be released. Um, and uh, afterwards, I'll be able to uh, finally uh, meet other people, rehearse and play. Mm -hmm. So I will have uh, three performances here in Hong Kong. 
um, one recording actually, uh, one recital and one performance with uh, Hong Kong Sinfonietta. Have you performed with them before? Yes, I have. Mm -hmm. So my second invitation. So. Mm -hmm. and, and what's on the program? Uh, with orchestra, we are going to do uh, Tchaikovsky's Rococo Variations and oh. Carnival Venice. And uh, with the in the in, in the program with piano, we have some Schumann, uh, Janine Wolf Sonatina, and some other things. I think a Brahms Horn Trio as well. Is Maria joining you for that? Excuse me, sorry. I, I'm sorry. Is Maria joining you for? Is she on piano? No, for that? unfortunately, um, she wasn't able to to join for this uh, trip, and uh, she's doing her own things right now. Okay. Um, and the recording session. I'm sorry. I, I think I interrupted you. What's on the recording session? Uh, there will be um, Glazunov's um, album leaf. Uh, there will be again some Schumann, and uh, at some point also I'll play the Andante from uh, Rachmaninoff cello sonata, mm -hmm. uh, things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, Quite a bit of flugelhorn and some trumpet as well. Um, it, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I watched. Oh, I can't remember how long ago this was. I think this was your very first. It was like April a year ago, and you were doing. Uh, a question and answer. Uh, I think it was your, your first one. And you had talked about how other people were putting a lot of content out, pe people were playing, but you were enjoying this opportunity for, for silence. Do, do you right. recall making that? Does that, uh, did you, well, we all had that opportunity for silence, unfortunately, this past year, but. Yeah, uh, more than enough. What, what did that look like for you? Was it a chance to, to just relax and reflect or did it become a period of creativity for you as well? Well, I think a bit of um, everything. Um, at first, of course, all those cancellations were very frustrating. And then, unfortunately, one gets used to this, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, uh, since... Uh, one year I got used to play without audience, which is absolutely not okay to get used to that. <laughs> and uh, now in Hong Kong, I will have uh, for the first time an opportunity to play with orchestra with an audience. So it will feel quite special again. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, um, you're right. I, I didn't really have this urge to post many things of myself. Actually, I never did really. Mm -hmm. But uh, during these uh, special times, I didn't get this wish somehow. And um, I agreed to several interviews or question and, uh, questions and answers uh, sessions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I gladly share my experience. Uh, but otherwise, uh, these, so to say, home concerts, no didn't want to do that but i practiced i tried to stay in shape mm -hmm. um i um tried to uh, search for new ideas new repertoire mm, at least uh, i had the time to do that mm -hmm. not having a time was not an excuse anymore <laughs> <laughs> so yes and um i got kind of used to this silence but uh after so long uh, time, I really want to get back to my uh, normal 
a routine, so to say. Well, I, I, traveling and playing. Well, and to think about the discipline uh, that it takes to maintain uh, that level of performance, right? I mean, you can't set that aside for really any period of time, right? Because once this starts again, like now, I mean, you have to be ready to go, both physically in shape and mentally. Uh, mentally is probably, it's more even, even it's more challenging than physically at the moment. Mm -hmm. Because this contact with the audience, uh, it's quite special. Uh, this energy exchange in a way. Even though uh, I'm in my bubble on stage usually when I play, <laughs> but still uh, one feels the audience. Um, physically, yes. I will try to do my best. Well, it's interesting you talk about your bubble on stage because I do remember you telling me that your favorite place to to play is in rehearsal. It still is. It still is. <laughs> and and I'm imagining that would be with uh, when you're just doing collaborations like with Maria or... or For example, or yes. all with orchestras as well. Ah. It's not the same, of course. But uh, also, if I rehearse with an orchestra, okay, maybe the very first rehearsal, first minutes are a bit stressful. But then one gets to, to, this, uh, to play in this team, so to say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then having uh, an audience in front of you, this adds a lot more people. You talk about that energy exchange. Um, did you feel, and we're going to go back quite a few years now, but I mean, even from your very first performance experiences, did, did you sense that? Did you draw on that energy from the audience? Or did you feel like maybe there was a different expectation when you were 10, 11, 12 years old? Back then, everything felt uh, differently. Um, of course, I was excited to play in front of the audience. Of course, it felt different uh, from playing at home. But um, I didn't think back then uh, of expectations of the audience. Mm. Uh, nowadays, uh, I feel a bit of pressure sometimes that I should not go below a certain level of playing. But this is... I think there is too much thinking involved there. Uh, kind of a bigger responsibility in a way with years. This is how I feel. What is that responsibility? How, how do you view that? Well, I've made many recordings. And um, probably many people in the audience uh, expect um, at uh. least uh, this kind of way of playing. And of right. course, since uh, everyone is a human being and uh, things may happen, sometimes good things, because it's a live performance, it's more, mm, I mean, many wonderful things can happen uh, in music. Every single performance is different. And this is a beauty of a live playing, I think, but again, if some accidents happen, well, they happen. Yeah, and, and you know, I remember years and years ago, uh, one of my trumpet teachers had, had been to a performance to hear Bud Herseth with Chicago. And uh, he had taken some students along with him. And 
on the way back, one of the students said, oh, did you hear Bud missed a note? It might've been the Haydn or something. He was playing with the orchestra. And my teacher said, yeah, but what about the other thousand notes that he played? You know, are you going to focus on, on the mistake? Are you going to focus on the beauty of, and you know, I think that was a good lesson, even though I wasn't at that performance, that was a good lesson for me that, Very well yes, said. all, all Everybody is human. Everybody's going to make a mistake. Some of us are going to make bigger mistakes <laughs> than others. Uh, but, you know, rather let's focus on the beauty that's happening with the rest of, uh, of the piece, right? And I think that's, uh, boy, I'm trying to think that might have been 30 years ago. And I'm so grateful that, you know, my teacher shared that with me because I think that's a great perspective everybody should take as an audience member, for sure. You know, let's, Let's enjoy what they're giving us. Very often when I teach, um, I, um, I tell to the students that it's not the missed notes that are the worst things that happen during the performance, but if it's boring, then it's really bad. Mm -hmm. um, so um, as long as the musician has a story to tell, um, if... Uh, what happens on, on stage really captures your attention, then it's good. You know, it's interesting you say that. Uh, have you read Mark Gould's new book? No, I haven't. Oh, by the way, uh, two uh, wonderful people have uh, joined the chat here. Josh Cohen, whose interview I just released last week. Um, and oh my gosh, what a terrific interview that was. Josh, welcome. And of course, Mary Elizabeth Bowden. Mary, good morning, welcome. Yes, and uh, I'm interviewing Mary in May. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, two terrific people, two terrific players. Um, so welcome, guys. Thanks for joining us here. Um, uh, what was I thinking? Um, help me get back to <laughs> help me get back to that. Um, oh my goodness, it was it was profound. Whatever I was going to say, it was the most profound thing ever. <laughs> um, Oh, I lost my train of thought on that. So sorry. Um, well, we'll have to get back to that. Oh, I really, uh, I'm, I'm struggling for that. Sergey, I'm we sorry. Spoke, no problem. We spoke about um, telling story, I said at least. Thank you. That was it. That was it. Uh, so Mark, Mark Gould, uh, his new book that just came out, he talks about taking risks right, about people not playing it safe. And of course, I've heard that from Ronnie Rahm. I've heard that from others about uh, don't make it boring. Be willing to take a chance with the music. And I think most certainly you are a risk taker. You might not look at, look at it that way. But I mean, I mean, as trumpet players, we're already walking a tightrope, right, with no matter what we play. Um, I agree. So when you're preparing, a, a piece of repertoire, some repertoire. Do you look for those opportunities to maybe move to the very edge of the cliff? Do you look for those opportunities maybe to try something a little bit different or how are those shaped? Are those maybe shaped like with uh, Cole Nidre or some of the cello pieces? Do you draw from performances of uh, famous cellists? Well, as far as risk-taking or freedom in playing, uh, if we are talking about the same thing, uh, mm -hmm. if I play with piano, of course, I can take more risks 
there uh, or more freedom in expressing myself. Um, if I know that uh, my partner at the piano will follow. If we have um, a good connection, uh, this sort of conversation will be going smoothly. Mm-hmm. But it can go in many different ways, so there is more freedom there. Uh, with an orchestra, it's more difficult, but of course it depends on the conductor. Mm-hmm. Somehow, it's a little <laughs> more static. It, it's better be rehearsed, all those freedoms, so to say. Uh, but you do work regularly with some conductors, right? Some who know, can kind of uh, predict what you want to do. Mm, regularly. Well, there are some conductors um, that I often played with, uh, but maybe different repertoire. But uh, I can name one, for example, Dmitry Kitayenko. It was an absolutely an amazing experience uh, to, to, to play a Weinberg concerto with him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I could really feel uh, that I could do anything I want, really. Um, he was not the only one, but his name just came to my mind right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, in performance, uh, those risks, do they think, is it more of a, a tempo, more of um, maybe a change in style, maybe a little more assertive, aggressive? Uh, what, what do those things look like or sound like? The first word that comes to my mind right now is time. Different time. Mm-hmm. Timing. Uh, so, tempi, yes, or some freedom in rhythm or things like that. Well, not necessarily faster, right? I mean, playing things some, something slower is certainly taking a risk <laughs> as well. As well, of yes. course. Yeah. Of course. Um, you know, of course, I think people are amazed at your uh, your fast playing, all of the the fireworks, the pyrotechnics. But I find pieces like Safishod and Vidmung to be really those are the more those are the ones that really speak to me because it's like that's the real artistry for me is being able to you're singing, you're really singing when you play those. You know, I think that's that's a great lesson for the rest of us to to try to reach. You're welcome to try to reach that that level of being able to be that expressive. Uh, These two particular uh, pieces are recorded long time ago with my sister. Mm-hmm. Did I see a, a recording recently where she joined you again on stage? Uh, with my sister, um, we haven't played uh, since quite a long time together until. Mm. Uh, this concert on the 2nd of April, just now. Ah. Just before Hong Kong, I played in Moscow with, with my sister and my nephew on the cello joined us as well. Mm, uh, now my sister is working as a chef de chant, um, a vocal coach at the Marinsky Theater in St. Petersburg. Oh my. She does. Oh, that's so terrific. Works with uh, opera singers. So multi-talented. So more than just at the piano. She's, uh, she's a, a gifted singer as well, yes? No, she, she doesn't sing, but she uh, uh, helps the uh, soloists of the Mariinsky Theater to prepare their roles. Ah, I see. I see. So she's still at the keyboard. She's at the keyboard and she, I understand. Uh, she fixes the um, pronunciation and she has to take care of text, texts in uh, 
not only in Russian, but also in German, French, uh, Italian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a talent, right? To be able to, to work on the, the, uh, the syntax, uh, the pronunciation and all of those. Uh, oh, good morning, Bruno. Bruno Garcia. Hi from Brazil. Everybody Hello. knows Bruno. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there was another performance recently I really enjoyed. This was a new one. This was uh, you and uh, I believe Maria and violinist. Yes, uh, Daishin Kashimoto probably. Yes, um, beautiful he, performance. Thank you. Daishin Kashimoto, he is the concertmaster of Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra and a very mm -hmm. good friend of ours. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, it was not the first time that we played together. So we have this friendship since quite a few years mm -hmm. already. So, but that was not for violin and trumpet, right? What was that originally, that piece originally uh, for? We played the Brahms horn trio. Horn trio. And so a, a horn part on the flugelhorn. And again, original key. Original key. Yeah. <laughs> French horn. Yeah. See, most trumpet players, most flugelhorn players would put it in, in uh, the key of F, right? So to make it, make it really easy. Mm, yes, well, but in romantic music, you shouldn't change the tonality. No, no, but that's what I'm saying is, you know, of course, we try to, <laughs> we try to transpose things to make it as easy as, easy as possible. It's like uh, with the Carmen fantasy. You know, I remember getting the music and looking at the, the music thinking, up a half step would have made this a whole lot, <laughs> a whole lot easier, you know, Maybe. but, but it, it's not necessarily that easy. I, uh, so I appreciate that, you know, you're, you're staying true. Uh, to the original form, the original key uh, on those things. I must say that um, relatively recently I recorded one piece where I did change the key. I recorded the um, Haydn uh, oboe concerto, which is, by the way, is not sure if it's by Haydn, but it's often advertised mm -hmm. as a Haydn oboe concerto, uh, which is uh, written in C um, major and I played it in D which didn't necessarily made it uh, easier for me mm -hmm. since I play a B-flat instrument. Uh, and, um, and um, but it gave uh, to this arrangement uh, kind of more shining in a way. And mm -hmm. D major is quite um, comfortable for strings as well. Mm -hmm. Quite a popular key. So um, I played it one tone higher and one octave lower. So it became like a cello version. Mm -hmm. Well, that's interesting because you were talking, I think, uh, about the difference between the Haydn C major and the Haydn D major, the, the cello concertos or cello sonatas. But that cello the cello concerto, Correct. but that the D major was uh, a bit more difficult. Oh, yes, it is a lot more demanding, I would say. And in, uh, in what regard is it? Is it uh, finger technique or just musically demanding? It's even slower. It's, it, it's not even as fast, so to say, as the C major. The thing is that um, it's much lower and higher. Mm. And it has all sorts of uh, quite uh, tricky interval jumps. Mm -hmm. Very big one. Very big ones. Mm -hmm. and so it really goes to the uh, extreme range points of both high and low of the mm -hmm. instrument. And, the and last time have to, to, to kind of play it in a way that it should not be ideally noticed 
noticed that <laughs> it's a problem. Right. Well, I mean, it's easy for a cellist, and we're going to do this, there's a hint, right? It's easy for a cellist to move from here to here, right? I mean, to, from low to high, but... Maybe, maybe they would argue that it's not as easy, but for, <laughs> let's say for us, it's quite different. Right. I, I remember uh, when you and I first talked, you were talking about a project that would include Beethoven. Yes, um, I still haven't um, recorded it, but it's planned for next autumn. So, so what? So far, what, I've been practicing the repertoire. And what is that repertoire? Are you able to share that yet? Uh, yes, the ideas are two violin sonatas by Mozart. Mm, actually, everything will be recorded with flugelhorn. Mm -hmm. uh, there will be um, variations by Beethoven on a theme by Mozart mm -hmm. um, from Magic Flute. And um, I want to try to play the uh, Beethoven Violin Sonata number five. And um, there were some other ideas, which are, it's not complete, completely fixed yet, but mm -hmm. these are the main ideas, so. So, okay, the difference in string writing from Tchaikovsky to Beethoven. Do, have you noticed some some challenges, some differences? Uh, do you, or is there a preference even for one over the other? For me, as for a brass player, you mean? Well, or even as a musician, sure. It's just. Um, well, I can't judge as a string player because I don't know how to play <laughs> a cello or a violin. Um, well, let's say that. If I listen to um, a piece written for a string instrument, I can kind of sense quite quite easily if it's playable or not, and what would be the difficulties, what is possible to change, what's not. So to say that uh, Beethoven is more difficult for me to play than, than Tchaikovsky, I think this is um, more... Um, uh, um, an issue about making music. Mm -hmm. Maybe, uh, in a way, for me to play Tchaikovsky is easier. Somehow, maybe because I'm raised in Russia. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Uh, and uh, romantic repertoire is, if you feel it, then you just sing it. In Beethoven, has to be more structured and one has to be quite strict about it. It's um, a big responsibility to play Beethoven. I, I think it's a big responsibility to play anything. <laughs> I mean, to play... Of course. To, of yes, course. of course, to play really... But I, I, I know what but you this mean. This is how I feel. Yes. Uh, you know, I always was amazed at your ability to because with strings double and triple stops are and not just the arpeggiated things but you know continuous double and triple stops well, uh, unless you start impossible. well unless you start to uh, do multiphonics <laughs> which which i think would be not my thing right i'm not trained to do that well, maybe Rex Richardson uh, could. You know, he, I think he's <laughs> spectacular at the the multiphonics. But, um, but yeah. So those are, you know, I think that's a particular I challenge. I don't have this, unfortunately. But but that's I think a, a, the stops are really the only 
challenge that that the range isn't oh and the range of course of course uh, playing a high tone uh even if one can reach certain notes it doesn't mean that it fits because <laughs> it has to be played in the most natural way not like some sort of achievement yeah i played this very high tone <laughs> well i will have to say that there are times where i've i've played a high note and i've felt a great sense of achievement <laughs> yeah me too i must yes, say yes. but i wouldn't use those <laughs> right. tones for in a classical arrangement right yeah, but not just for the sake of hey look what i did right it's <laughs> of course um there was another th thing that came away from our first interview that has really stuck with me and i have tried to incorporate into my teaching studio and it's the sense that i i made the mistake of of referring to maria as your accompanist and you said I no <laughs> And to me, it was this, this eye-opening, this light bulb moment where I was like, oh, absolutely. And so myself, as I've tried to put uh, recitals together, performances together, I've viewed it as much more of a collaboration. Uh, and with my students, trying to get them to uh, approach it that way as well, because I think that, that now elevates this to something more than just trying to stay together. One has it, to speak together in, in the music. Mm -hmm. Has to be a conversation. Do you One find that to, it, it has to be a two-way street? Do you find that easier in some with some composers than others to find that conversation? I think it's very personal. It depends on the piece, uh, really. Uh, I couldn't name one. I, I'm just. Yeah, I'm just curious. And of course, you probably put a great amount of time into listening to repertoire before you decide to to perform it. So, I mean, you're you're already finding that voice before you bring the trumpet or flugelhorn to it. Well, nowadays, when we have um, all those recordings that we can listen to, of course, we can uh, help ourselves to that. But uh, if it's uh, a new composition, you can only listen to yourself. Mm -hmm. So, and this is um, only during the rehearsals that you can find those details, mm -hmm. uh, those moments uh, where you converse and how you converse, what you say, how you say, when you say. Of course, I know people ask you all the time, time about Timofey Dokshitzer, but when it comes to violin and cello, who, who really speaks to you from that repertoire? Violin and cello. Well, I've been listening a lot to um, players from the previous generation, I'd say. Um, like um, Arthur Grumieux, for example. Ivry mm -hmm. um, Gitlis, who, uh, who I knew personally. Uh, I must say, and um, unfortunately, he he, he left us uh, at mm. the end of last year. Um, who else? Well, Heifetz, Misha Elman, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. those great musicians, really. Uh, uh, cellists. Um, well, nowadays. 
Misha Maisky, Steven Isilis. They're completely different, of course. Um, I could name many more, but well, I, I was just curious. These two names just came to my mind. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm curious um, because you know, so many people do ask about who influenced you as a trumpet player. But I think when you're not playing all the trumpet repertoire, you have to think about, you know, and even if you go to the Brahms and the Schubert song cycles, I mean, you you probably have vocalists that that you were drawn to as well. Well, I've I've listened to some recordings, of of course, but uh, to tell you names right now. I put you on the spot for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say that lately I've been listening a lot more to uh, strings rather than singers. Mm -hmm. My brother-in-law was a great singer who passed away, unfortunately. My uh, sister's uh, late husband. He was the soloist of Marinsky, a great bass singer. Nikolai Akotnikov was his name. And... Uh, he made absolutely amazing recordings. Uh, Philips, for example. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been surrounded by not only trumpet music, fortunately. Um, I listen to piano music really a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, so I get inspiration from jazz as well. I, I, I don't play jazz myself. I, I, I cannot improvise, but um, I really enjoy listening to it. Have you had any interest in any of the Mahler song cycles? Just kind of a Wunderhorn or Kindertotenlieder, anything along that line? I haven't uh, given it enough attention so far, but um, I should. Well, I think as trumpet players, you know, we have this affinity for Mahler and his symphonies because they're so, well, they're so expressive. Uh, well, they're so bombastic, <laughs> for, for sure. Yes. But. Well, for, for me, um, I, I tried quite many songs by Tchaikovsky and Rachmaninoff. Mm -hmm. Again, partially, of course, because I was raised with this music around me. Mm -hmm. So, uh, This has been, this is maybe five years ago. I was in St. Petersburg and was able to hear uh, uh, Swan Lake in uh, the theater there with a Russian orchestra, Russian ballet. And it was so different. And it, it was, it was terrific. It was thoroughly enjoyable, but it was so different than what I would have, what I'm used to hearing an American, an American orchestra do. Playing wise. Playing wise. I see. And, and it was, it was, <laughs> They didn't play it safe. I, I think, you know, orchestras here maybe try to, to play it too round and too soft and too perfect, but there was a real energy and an excitement in the way they played it. It wasn't loose. I mean, the, the, the orchestra was still fantastic, but to me it was like when you say, you know, I grew up in Russia, so, you know, I know Tchaikovsky, I know that more. I think that's, that's an opportunity I'll never get, right? To be able to, even to play Mahler. It's like, unless I had grown up in Austria or Germany or, uh, you know, to, to experience really what that mean, that music, because the, all the folk tunes that he's, that he's woven into, uh, or not folk tunes, but even the music that he had written, 
sometimes it's based on folk uh, impressions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but to say that I know Tchaikovsky, I feel Tchaikovsky. Well, yes. But so. but that but I can't say that I feel Copeland or <laughs> right or or some other American composer. It's uh, Although I think we do have a, a different, uh, I guess I do know, I would know better how to play Copeland than maybe a, a, a Slovak or, you know, some Yugoslavia, is Yugoslavia still a country? I think I'm embarrassing myself on this. It's a, well, it's, it's split. Yeah, uh, it's split, right. That's, that shows how old I am. That's how I remember it growing up, but. Uh, well, I also remember it as Yugoslavia, but. Yeah. Soviet Union is no longer. Yeah. Um, so, uh, speaking of, are you, uh, when you're at home, is Russia home now or is Israel home at the moment? Well, I'm Israeli, uh, and I also have Russian citizenship, but my main citizenship is Israeli. This is how I feel. Mm -hmm. And, um, and my base is in France. What part of France? Uh, I'm near Paris in a suburb. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, before I go any further, of course, Vince DiMartino chimed in. Uh, Hello. Yes. Uh, what a great guy. I don't, I don't live in, I, I know Andrei Ikov, uh, but uh, I don't live in Russia. Okay. Ah, okay. Um, Vinny, I was down at Picket Brass a couple of weeks ago, and Vince was there to, to listen to me trial some mouthpieces. Uh, what a great guy. Uh, made me a little bit nervous <laughs> with him sitting there listening but um so you know i know everybody asks you about trumpet but i'm curious what what do you like to do when you're away from the trumpet are you are you a reader are you a runner i mean what is it that you do to to do something other than trumpet i don't run that's for sure something that i don't do um i used to read uh, a lot more before uh, a lot more than now but uh, I must say that since one year, I watched lots of TV series <laughs> and I played lots of computer games. So not something very intellectual, but I admit this is what I was doing. And um, I tried to stay in touch with my friends all over the world. I've been um, teaching mostly online, mm -hmm. tried to practice, um, stayed in touch with uh, my parents, very important to me. Mm -hmm. Something like this. And listen to lots of music also. Uh, uh, do you seek out new things to listen to, or do you just like to put things on and, and just kind of be comforted by the familiar? Uh, both. Both. I have my favorite recordings that uh, I listen to many times, but otherwise, um, well, music is limitless, really. There is so much now available um, on the internet. So, but mostly piano music, I must say. Uh, of any particular period or composer? Uh, Alexander Skrebin, mm. piano music, for example. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite composers. Uh, would it be possible to transcribe anything like that for? Uh, for trumpet, uh, I played uh, one of his poems uh, a long time ago. Uh, Opus 32, number two, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. um, 
but that's it. I think some of his preludes could be uh, possible uh, to transcribe for a brass ensemble. Mm. I think, but one needs to listen to Skaven. He's uh, very special, mm-hmm. and um, I feel connected to this music also because of my uh, childhood memories when I was when I was growing up. Um, uh, when my sister was practicing at home, his uh, uh, etudes or sonatas as well, I was around and somehow was absorbing all that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, are, are you familiar with the Suzuki method? I know of it, of course, but I don't know how exactly it functions and what it does. Well, it's, uh, and I'm actually finishing my Suzuki certification for trumpet. That's the, the method has been expanded for brass. Um, but of course, it's all about uh, it, it's providing an atmosphere, an environment, you know, for for the youngest uh, to basically surround them. Like you said, you were surrounded by you know your sisters playing and and listening that way. Um, but there's a lot of that involved in this. It's the importance of of having music as part of your life from as you know from the time you're born, really. Um, and I think, uh, not to, to get into a whole lot of that, but I think that's where uh, we have more successful musicians is those who have been exposed, you know, even if, even if it's in the background, right? Are, we still absorb it. We still hear it. I think it's important indeed. Yeah. When I was a kid, um, very young, baby really, uh, my parents sometimes took me to Swan Lake to the opera theater in our mm. city. Uh, Nizhny Novgorod is called nowadays, back then it was called Gorky. Uh, mm. And I vaguely remember, but I'm not sure if I was attentively uh, watching, but I was probably drawing something on paper just to <laughs> distract myself, waiting for some particular scene which would be uh, interesting for me, maybe because it would involve some fighting or something. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, those moments and my sister practicing at home and um, we listen to lots of music um, I think almost every day different things mm-hmm. now your father was a musician yes uh, he was a piano teacher piano and your mother uh, she uh, played violin for several years when she was little and um, my parents met in an amateur symphony orchestra mm-hmm where my father was a librarian and my mom played in this orchestra played violin mm-hmm. so yeah i mean you from the very beginning you were you were surrounded by music Indeed. yeah yeah um do you it's funny to think that you had gone to see swan, swan lake it's uh you never had the temptation to become a dancer did you no, <laughs> yeah thank goodness you know i think we're all appreciative that uh, that you found the trumpet <laughs> um, so it's good for everyone that uh, I don't dance. <laughs> um, so it's nice to know that you've got the these projects. Well, not a project, but concerts o- opening back up. Things are starting to come back slowly. Slowly it depends on the country. In Russia, for example, they haven't really stopped. Uh, they do uh, depending on a city, but they do concerts with the re- reduced audience. But in some cities, they don't really give any limitations. Mm-hmm. Perhaps the attitude of the government on the death toll simply is different. 
you the, did the, 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 the price of life i guess it's not the same you did a performance um this may be one two months ago with a either a norwegian or swedish or danish orchestra it was complete... I, well, I played in finland in finland actual... i was close it was somewhere in the baltic so i <laughs> I, was, I was close <laughs> Uh, so Finland, but it was completely virtual. I, there was no audience for that. Right. Was uh, live, stream. live stream. And I remember watching that uh, and commenting on that. It was, that was the first time back, I think, for you. Is that right? First performance? Um, I did some other projects without audience, but it was the first one with an orchestra since a long time. Mm-hmm. But no audience. I mean, that's no and it. But to know that it's a performance, did that change your perspective at all? I mean, knowing that the cameras were on, does that change anything? Yes, it did. Of course, mm -hmm. I like a radio recording, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but an, an audience, uh, as I said earlier, it uh, it gives um, a whole different uh, feeling. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to switch gears for just a second and uh, actually to talk about gear. Of course, Courtois has been a trumpet and flugelhorn of choice for a long time, but you've right. been you've been playing some uh, AR resonance recently. Is that something you're correct? You're... And um, I made a choice uh, just recently that um, I will represent AR resonance trumpets and mouthpieces. Mm. Uh, I still love my Courtois flugelhorn. And I must say, I still love my Courtois trumpet, but these are um, absolutely two different instruments that one shouldn't uh, maybe compare. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, this collaboration with um, Antonio is is very interesting for me, and we became friends. And um, uh, for me, I'm intending to um, to try many more things uh, with him. So. I've been testing also his uh, cornets, very interesting ones oh. as well. Well, that's something I've not seen you play on. I've only seen you play, uh, well, I, I have seen you play piccolo trumpet, but not a cornet. Um, I've never played a cornet on stage. Uh -oh. No, yes. There we go. Again, reset. I, this happened last time. I am so sorry. This is, it, maybe it's because we're on the other side of the other side of the world. <laughs> Which Maybe. is still is still uh, terrific that we can do this, but um, pardon the interruption on that. Um, what were we talking about? Uh, about AR resonance. AR resonance, yes. Yes. Yes, uh, and you were saying, of course, that uh, people um, you you still enjoy playing uh, your Courtois. Uh, oh, and I was going to ask, you know, what do you find? Of course, as we mature as players. Right, we try different equipment. I mean, what I started on, I can't play on anymore. It's not as comfortable, right? As we mature as players, I mean, the same thing is happening with yourself, right? Your needs change as as you. I hate to say get older, but I mean, you know, <laughs> in a way, yes. We're getting older. Um, so, what uh, what are you seeing with with the AR resonance that you're able to do that you hadn't before? Well, uh, this particular trumpet that I have now, um, and that's the only trumpet that I have on a tour with me right now, um, I have more ease in the upper range, mm -hmm. and um, it has a different color of sound. 
So to see that one needs to try that. What can I say? Mm-hmm. Now, are these custom models or are these just stock um, instruments that you picked up and tried? Some sort of a hybrid that I've been testing. Mm-hmm. You know, one of their early flugelhorns had the the uh, fourth slide come. It, I don't know if that's the final version. I mean, it was a very interesting look. Have they changed what that looks like? The, the Courtois? No, the uh, AR. Oh, uh, I don't play AR flugelhorn. I play Courtois flugelhorn. Oh, just the Courtois. Okay, okay. Um, and the cornet, that's where we left off. I was talking about cornet. Um, is this, will this be the first time you've tried to, not tried, but will incorporate cornet into performance? I might, uh, but the thing is that I already have two instruments with me on this tour. Uh, trumpet and flugelhorn, and uh, already sometimes uh, it's difficult to to carry it uh, on the airplane. So mm-hmm. to have a third instrument would be probably too much. Mm-hmm. Also, they check weight, and I have my backpack also. So, but for some projects, uh, if I had to play some, um, let's say, Arban variations or something like that, I, I could definitely imagine playing it on a cornet. Mm-hmm. What about piccolo trumpet? I haven't uh, seen or heard anything from you for. Piccolo for a while. It's very good that you haven't. <laughs> uh, well, it's 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 not really uh, my voice, so to say. The mm. last time I played piccolo on stage was uh, uh, one and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played this uh, "Let the Bright Seraphim," mm-hmm. and uh, a friend of mine um, in Moscow, Kirill Soldatov, um, a wonderful trumpet player and. Uh, a good friend of mine. He he lent me his uh, Scherzer piccolo, mm-hmm. and I used mm-hmm. my uh, B flat trumpet mouthpiece on it. But um, I tried several piccolos lately, and uh, um, I quite liked the Lechner um, of Otto Zauter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe uh, this is what I might try in the in some future. Mm-hmm. But in general, I'm not a piccolo player. I rather, uh, uh, I would rather listen to my uh, colleagues who, who, who do that beautifully. Well, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. I see in the notes here somebody says regards to uh, Andre now on his. Oh no, that's not Maurice Andre. Uh, somebody has uh, his birthday. I thought it was Maurice Andre's birthday. I misread that. Andrei Ikov. Uh, he's um, um, a very known Russian player. Ah, okay. Oh, and that's who you were talking about earlier. You said you did. Yes, correct. Okay, okay. Um, so, uh, collaborating with Maria, collaborating with orchestras, uh, collaborating with uh, uh, other brass colleagues, that's really something that you've been doing more of lately as far as uh, some of these brass conferences, right? You're you're being, what what is that like, you know, sitting next, I mean, if Andrea Tofanelli is next to you, right? And uh, well, going back to Rex, I think Rex has been a part of these. I mean, this is a very eclectic collection of players, mm-hmm. very different sounding players, but you guys come together to make How some... is it? It's a lot of fun, I think. Well, of course it is. It's just, uh, uh, have you guys recorded? I, I really enjoy listening to my colleagues. I mean, it's always interesting. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, I think, it's important to absorb uh, and to um, all this experience also from other players. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, and one other uh, colleague that you'd collaborated with, uh, Kirill, is that his name, the, uh, the flugelhorn? Uh, Kirill Saldatov, yes. Uh, have you been able to collaborate with him uh, during this uh, past we year? This, uh, we had uh, this uh, project with him um, when we both played um, Courtois four piston flugelhorns. Mm -hmm. um, so, so we played uh, uh, Vivaldi cello concerto, double for two cellos, and mm -hmm. uh, um, Haydn, or rather Rossetti, uh, double. Um, horn concerto for two horns. So mm -hmm. again, attributed to Haydn, but probably not. Mm -hmm. uh, but a good piece. And uh, we did that project uh, in Armenia once, and we might do uh, again in the future. Mm -hmm. So I did uh, a lot of concerts together with Gabor Boldovsky. Mm -hmm. He's a very good friend of mine. Um, we toured many times together. And um, I had a collaboration with uh, Till Brunner. We had a crossover mm -hmm. project. Mm -hmm. It was very interesting as well. And um, we might still do in the future. So, yeah, um, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Su I know I'm not going to pronounce this correctly. It's somewhere in the chat. Do you know this person? Suhey Yip? Um, I can't recognize from name. Uh, but hello from Hong Kong. <laughs> Yes, well, yeah. um, very soon I'll be out. Well, not very soon, but soon enough. Yeah. So uh, does quarantine really mean you, you have to stay in the hotel? Without uh, the right to get out of my room. But I have a very good room, thanks to Hong Kong Sinfonietta, so I'm not complaining at all. <laughs> so but meals, meals are delivered. I mean, that's... Yes. At, and computer games, which you referenced earlier. <laughs> Yes, and lots of series and lots of uh, phone calls. Uh, so computer games, uh, are you a Fortnite? I know my kids like to play Fortnite. No, or do you I watch, don't play that one. Are you a, a what is, what's the combat, uh, Assassin's Creed or something like that? No, or? I didn't, didn't do that. <laughs> well, I'll keep it a secret for now. Okay, okay. Uh, so, but as far as uh, TV shows, I mean, are you, are you binging movies or TV shows? Uh, lately, lots of uh, TV shows. So at the moment, I must say, I've been watching Mandalorian. Ah, it's fun. Uh, yes, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. It's my fun. my boys got us into watching that, so we all sat down and watched that as a family. You know what I yes. like about that? It's slow. the The pace of that, I really enjoyed mm -hmm. that because you're not just bombarded every second with you know, visual mm. and, and sound. I think that's maybe one reason I enjoy, enjoy that. And Baby Yoda is cute, so. <laughs> Correct. So I never thought I would say that in an interview with, with you, Sergey. but, you know, talking about Baby Yoda, but there it is. <laughs> oh, here it is, yes. <laughs> So, well, I tell you what, uh, th this has been a treat, even with the, the technology glitch in there. Uh, and I, I want to thank you for, for sharing your time uh, always Thank you for inviting me. Uh, you're very welcome. I look forward to, as everybody else does, to you know get the chance to meet in face to face again. Hopefully at an ITG conference. Who knows where and when, or or something along that line. But um, thank you. Yeah, I wish you continued good health and great success with your upcoming performances. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And, uh, stay and, safe. You. Yeah. Thank you very much. So.
Um, hang on one second. I'm going to do a, a quick wrap up here and just uh, again thank uh, Trent Austin and Austin Custom Brass for sponsoring this interview and the others coming up, of course, um, in about 10 days. Uh, April 20th, I'll have Mark Gould on as a guest. And then April 25th will be Gabriel DiMartino. That's Benny's son. Have you met Gabriel, Sergey? Um, I don't think I have. Uh, he's he's kind of the spitting image of his dad. Yes, he, I see. Yeah, and, and a, an amazing player as well. Uh, but uh, everybody who's joined in today and commented and watched, thank you so much. Uh, be sure to share this. And uh, Sergey, uh, from all of us uh, on the watcher's behalf, thank you again for being here. And I will see everybody uh, at another interview in the, in the very near future. So thanks again and. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you. Goodbye. Take care.